Cinema. Welcome back to War with Cinema. I'm your host, Greg, your local metalhead, and with me is... Part of the Collector. What's up, everybody? And you gave me Reservoir Docs. Quentin I, Tarantino. I fucking love this movie, bro. Yeah? Yes. This is like, obviously, uh, I saw Pulp Fiction first, so mm-hmm. it was ass backwards for me. Yeah. But this movie, I think, watching it this past time, it really makes me feel like why I love gangster movies and dialogue so much because this movie has such great dialogue mm-hmm. so many quotable lines like every character no matter how big or small has their little bit you know yeah it's a very much i don't want to say character piece but there's a lot of characters in it but yeah. uh i wanted to try something a little different we're going to give our rating before we talk about the movie so what do you rate reservoir dogs it gets a strong nine for me nine yeah personally yeah yeah i it's, mean it's one of my top 20 favorite movies this is highly recommended. It's on the best of independent films. And for this to be his first, right. it's fucking good, bro. Yeah. It's really fucking good. This, you remember we talked about Mean Streets? Yeah. And I was like, this feels like the baseline of the rest of Martin Scorsese's movies. Right, like where he started putting it all together. Yeah, this yeah. is how I felt about Reservoir Dogs. Like you're just getting glimpses into Quentin Tarantino and then you watch his other movies and you he like expands on it and right. really hones his craft. But like the great things about him are still there. Like, oh, yeah. like the dialogue. Like mm-hmm. there's no like, you know, the way it's shot, like just that it almost like... Uh, like a seventies movie. Yeah. Like, I just love that about this. And it's a simple story, bro. It's one, another one of those, like you can make this movie yourself. He did it in a, what a, uh, a fucking warehouse, a bro. warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. It's that in a fucking diner for 20 minutes. It's mm-hmm. literally like he probably paid an IHOP or like a mom and pop restaurant. Mm-hmm. Hey bro, I'm gonna give you 200 bucks. We're going to shoot in here for an hour and we'll be on our way. Yeah. He, uh, this budget was 1.5 million. So not a big budget. And scrambled. I'm sure most of that went to fucking actors, bro, because yeah. some of these guys were established actors when this was made. Harvey Keitel was his like dream person. He like wanted Harvey T- Keitel the most. Oh, I love him as Mr. White. Yeah. He is one of the best parts of this movie. <laughs> him and Mr. Blonde. Mm-hmm. Fucking. Mwah. <laughs> I fell in love with Michael Madsen because of this movie, bro. Really? Like this was his best character ever to me. To this day, I don't think I like any other character he's played more. <laughs> Than um, Vic Vega. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that he's brothers with... Vincent Vega. In... uh, uh, I know. I just learned that. And, like, you know what pisses me off is, like, Tarantino went back and forth with making a Vega Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. But now, like, Michael Madsen and John Travolta are, like, fucking 70, bro. Like, that would obviously can't be done now. Right. Unless you fucking Irishman did. And, like, I think we all saw how that worked out. Like, (laughs) but... um, Especially to Hitman. I just, I feel bad. They did my dog De Niro wrong, bro. <laughs> you say it all the time. Dude, I mean, because think about it, bro. Nobody else that was 80 had to do anything in that movie, bro. <laughs> He's the only one like, nope, nope, sorry, Bob. We need you to go out there and kick him in the fucking shit. <laughs> need you to beat on him for a couple minutes. He's like, I can't fucking do that shit anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. And right before the yell, actually, like, oh, by the way, you're 30. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You're an 80 year old man, but I want you to play a 30 year old. You're 35. You're 35 in this scene. And meanwhile, they're fucking telling Pacino he's just got to sit in a fucking chair or like, you know, half of that movie, he's just standing and fucking yelling and shit, just Pacinoing it up. Right. But, uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs, why did you pick this? Like, what made you want to talk about this movie? 
Well, you were kept. You you've been doing the whole first director's movie lately, and I was no, like, I'm I'm doing lesser known movies by popular directors. Some of them just happen to be their first movie. Yeah, just <laughs> all of them yeah, <laughs> up yeah. until this point. No, no, no. Martin Scorsese, Cape Fear was not his first. No, movie. That's true. That's true. That's true. But that was kind of like Mick pick. You know what I mean? No, I I presented it to Mick. I was like, "How do you feel about Cape Fear?" He's like, "That's my favorite Martin Scorsese movie." I was like, "What if we did that instead of?" But we've done Mean Streets. Yeah. What <laughs> so, does that mean? So we've done uh, we're, we've done most people's first movies. Like, like it's Mean be- Streets isn't his first movie. You sure? Yeah. I thought it was. No, he did some other movies before that, uh, like Boxcar Bertha and stuff like that. Stuff that you wouldn't even recognize as him. But wow. like Mean Streets was like his career defining moment into what we know him of. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes some of the gusto out of uh, Mean Streets for me. <laughs> well, he did like... You know how you get movies from uh, studios and they're like, hey, you just make this movie. It's not like your vision or your story or anything like that. You're just making a movie for a company. Right. That's kind of how his first few movies were. Uh, Okay, I get you. Yeah. They weren't really his movies. Right, right, right. But um, no, that's... uh I just wanted to go for one that I was like, I knew this was his first movie Mm -hmm. and I just know it's fucking great. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll feed into Greg's (laughs) thing of it this week. Yeah. I'm good to do it. Cause I still get to stay in my wheelhouse while get to play with yours. So yeah, definitely. It's a good, but this is a very much a well-known movie. Like this is top talked about movie like next to like Pulp Fiction and uh, Inglorious Bastards. Right. I didn't pick this movie because I was going to add something new to the conversation. (laughs) I really just wanted to talk about how fucking great things in it that I love and parts that I love Yeah, and little things that I just think is what makes it a great movie. Right. One thing that I really love is this is where we started the whole like time, uh, non-linear storytelling. He really like pioneered that I feel. And you know what? Like when you watch his movies a lot together, it almost makes it to where you wish other stuff was like that. Cause it keeps it, it keeps it fresh. Yeah. 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 You know, even going back and watching it years later, it still keeps you interested just because you're like, Oh yeah, that. And then, okay. And then that's how we got to there. Also, it like, it's a really good way to like hook your audience right away because right. the opening scene of this movie is the dude in the car shot in the stomach mm-hmm. and a dude saying like, you're going to be okay. You're not going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how they open the movie. So and and you're already cuts, hooked. Like what it, happened? And then boom, we're back to a diner. Yeah. 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 He, he builds up the tension really quickly like or uh the excitement really quickly and then he kind of like backs off a little bit and gives you a bunch of like dialogue so you can get to know these characters also shout out to uh, tim roth i love him in this movie too he kills it as mr orange he is Um, really great that's what i said it's like one of those casts man like steve buscemi oh i loved him you know what i'm saying mr pink bro like Mm -hmm. and even tarantino like making fun of himself like (laughs) of course he made himself mr brown bro well he was supposed to be mr pink but for some reason, he changed it. He gave it to Bashemi because he looks like a bit Mr. Brown more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sounds like, like Mr. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, watching this again because I've I've seen this before, obviously, but there's like little things like his his dialogue feels a little am uh, not amateurish, but uh immature, I guess. Yeah, but he is a young guy, so right. Well, not only that, but like if you've ever been to like. Um, 
you know, like a construction site or mm-hmm. just like a warehouse anywhere, like a bunch of men work together. Yeah. That's like 90% of the conversation is uh, just dick jokes and fart and pussy and whatever, you know? <laughs> right. And I think that that comes out a lot and yeah, because all these guys are hardened criminals, you know, they've only been in fucking prison and shit like that. So right. like, I think that this one, it really just crude humor. Right. I think this one, it just fits better than, yeah. than some of the other ones. Fun fact. I didn't even notice this until somebody pointed out there is not a woman speaking in this whole movie. <laughs> That's uh, true. Not even the waitress. Uh, the uh, the girl in the car too that gets her car robbed. She doesn't even say anything. She just pops his ass. Yeah, yeah, dude. And that's where you feel bad, bro. Fucking Tim Roth catches one to the gut. Yeah. Well, when he he shot her back, and he knows he killed her. Yeah. Like you can see the look on his face, like because he knows fuck. like he fucked up. Like yeah. now it's really fucked. Like I'm gonna die, and I fucking did this. Right. Know? But it's just instinct. You got yeah. shots. You're you an undercover cop, so exactly. Um, for the ten or twelve people out there that listen to this podcast that haven't seen this movie, um, <laughs> hell spoilers coming along. Oh yeah, we assume um, you've seen this. This right. is a it's, fucking thirty well, year old movie. I mean, I you know I thought about that and. Uh, there could be a couple of young younger kids that mm-hmm. you know are wanting to get into good movies. Yeah, and that's listen true. To this. That's why I wanted to give the rating yeah, beforehand, yeah. like what um, we thought about it before you give it a watch. So if you haven't seen it, go you know don't listen anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. For the other ten thousand, um, yeah, <laughs> the other ten thousand. <laughs> I don't know, just picking it because I figure that's about how far our shit reaches. Yeah, like 10 pe- ten thousand people, right? Uh, he, um, he is an undercover, uh, Tim Roth plays an undercover cop mm-hmm. and, uh, Harvey Keitel is a hardened, uh, bank robber. Like, you know, like a, he's just like an armed burglar mm-hmm. and, uh, all these characters are all good at something and they're all criminals and they're all good at it. And the main character is a guy named, um, <laughs> Joe. I knew it was Joe. Yeah. And also, man, I love fucking, um, Chris, uh, Chris Penn in this movie, dude. Oh, he is really good. You, you know, know, what's funny is they, uh, they brought their own clothes to like cut down on the budget. That was from his own closet, like that get up yeah. and it fits so perfectly. Oh yeah. It's, dude. It fits so well. I loved it. He, um, he is one of those actors that like, you know, he died fairly young. Uh, I don't know. He's probably 50, right? I'm not sure. In his forties, I would imagine. But he just oh he was always in like good stuff but like he, the fact that he's Sean Penn's brother like I felt like he never really got any respect mm-hmm. like you know and he's got a couple movies where he's got you know good parts like like this one he's good and uh, I loved him in Steel and Harvard he's only in it for like ten minutes but like yeah I I couldn't remember exactly where I seen him at but I'm like I I know I've seen him in other things and I like him when I see him oh you know? fucking True Romance bro oh yeah he yeah, plays yeah. he's usually playing like a dirty cop or like you know. Uh, right just some some kind of low life you know but like i always thought he was a good actor mm-hmm. and i was just like you know it's hard being somebody really famous his brother and tried to do that like well uh it's a fun, another little fun fact so they were talking about the madonna you know he doesn't say anything during that scene because he dated or his brother he dated Madonna's sister, who was, I don't know, he was related to Madonna for a short time, and he didn't want to speak anything bad on her, so he didn't say anything during that scene. Right. Because I know Sean Penn dated Madonna, and I guess he dated her sister or something like that. I don't know. It or, makes no, sense. He dated Miss Madonna's sister. Yeah, it makes That's sense. That's what it is. Sorry. I had to get that out. <laughs> but he's got a couple gems in there. But anyways, uh, Joe, and then, you know, he plays the son, yeah. and they're like, I would sit her like maybe a little organized crime, you mm-hmm. know, 
They got a crew. Just and, a little heist. Right. They're well-known criminals. Yeah. Um, and he recruits a bunch of guys. And it's really genius if you think about it, though. Like, I do like how he goes through each person and how they know each other. And well, stuff they like all know him. Mm-hmm. But he makes sure that none of them know each other. So, like, right. they're going into this with code names, and they're literally only together for this job. Oh, right. But because Mr. White is a, uh, you know, he's been in the jail the longest out of all of them. Like, he kind of was the softer one. I thought Mr. Blonde was in there the most. Oh, maybe. Longest. No, he was the newest to get out of prison. Oh, I see. Because they, they show that when he gets out, and they gave him a job and, you yeah, know, because yeah, yeah. of what he did for him and shit. Because Michael Madsen's character, Mr. Blonde, is, uh, he worked for these, for the father and son before he went to prison. Right. And he got caught in a warehouse full of bunch of stolen shit. And instead of giving up his dad's name, he could have walked. Instead, he took it and he brings it up later in the movie. He goes, you mean to tell me that this man... <laughs> that did fucking eight years for my father just up and fucking decides to fuck us over? Is that what you're fucking telling me? And It's then, really uh, genius. Like, it's a, like, uh, I but, heard Quentin Tarantino only spent three weeks writing the script, and damn, how... That's what he's doing in three weeks, bro. Imagine if he sat down and, like, worked on that shit. That's what the rest of his career is. Probably. <laughs> But like, but yeah, that just shows how much talent he had. I mean, he wrote a couple of scripts. He wrote True Romance and uh, that's fucking Natural Born Killers, and then he wanted to direct this one. That's good though. I'm glad he picked this one. Yeah, I don't know. I think he would have done a good job on True Romance too. But I kind of wish he would have done True Romance. But actually, uh, the guy that directed True Romance wanted to direct this one, but he's like, Nah, I got this one. <laughs> I'm glad Quentin did this one. Yeah, because it is badass. Um, the other one you said, I'm not, I could go either way. Natural Born Killer? Yeah, I don't really, it's not a huge, like, great movie to me. Really? Some people love it, like, it's their favorite. I'm right in between. Like, I don't love it, I don't hate it, it's fine. It's a good enough movie, right. but I don't think Oliver Stone is as great a filmmaker as everybody else. Like, he I just is. love Woody Harrelson. Like, I want to see him in everything. So, so I'm saying I enjoy Woody Harrelson. That's pretty much what most of that movie is, yeah. is him. Well, Julia Lewis, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but she does a good job in that one, yeah. too. She did a great job in Cape Fear also. She did, yeah. Uh, but anyways, so anyways, they set up this heist. They give them all colors, which is badass. And um, Steve Buscemi's character is Mr. Pink. Michael Madsen is Mr. Blonde. Tarantino, who puts himself in the movie, which he only has that, that, that first bit at the diner. And it's so crazy that that's like. He's like, they're like, you're going to give yourself any kind of dialogue? He's like, yeah, I got one thing at the beginning. He's like, I'm going to make a point. It's a, it's like a joke. It'll be all right. Like, I don't feel like he rehearsed that shit at all. Like he was just, they were all just sitting around bullshitting. Like he was like, yeah, we're just going to kind of get a feel for the scene. And mm-hmm. then we'll you know, record. And then like when he went to talk and he just kind of like did like that. And they started recording because that's what it seems like. It's just locker room talk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because now people wouldn't, I don't feel like people have those conversations just like super loud and public like that, but they're all smoking cigarettes and waiting on the bill and shit. And, uh, they're talking about fucking Madonna. <laughs> like, uh, it's talking about the song like a virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about how the song is about a chick that's a whore. <laughs> and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And his dick was so big it made her feel like she was a virgin. This pain that she hadn't felt since she was a virgin. It's very deep and intricate and all that shit, but it's so st- fucking stupid. It's like yeah. something stoners would talk about, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and then, uh, then they get the check and. 
or first he's talking about a book he found in a coat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he a keeps bunch of names. a bunch of like uh, people's names. And Mr. Uh, Harvey Keitel's character gets tired of it, so he takes the fucking book. Better give me my book. Give me my book back. And he's like, no. For the last fucking half hour, I was like, Tawny, Tawny O, Tawny G. He goes, you're gonna give me my fucking book back. And then Michael Madsen has a great fucking line. You want me to shoot this fucking guy? And then Harvey Keitel, Keitel tops it even more. Well, you shoot me in a fucking dream, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> and that's like, I want that shit tattooed on my fucking body. Like, right. that is one of the best fucking lines he's ever delivered, man. Yeah, so he goes and pays. But like, and then Steve Buscemi, which made me really appreciate his acting at the time. Because like I said, when I first saw this movie, I was probably 12, 13. You know, I was younger. Um, I can't even tell you the first time. I, I know I watched... Uh obviously Pulp Fiction and then people were like you gotta go watch his first movie Reservoir mm-hmm. Dogs like people wouldn't shut up about Reservoir Dogs so I saw it after I saw a couple of his other films well that's what my dad it was my dad had like six DVDs in his house mm-hmm. and one of them was Reservoir Dogs and I saw it on his shelf and he's like oh he's like you ain't seen that he's like oh let's fucking watch it yeah um and like I said it was badass but uh Steve Shibby has that thing about tipping mm-hmm. he goes why the fuck do people feel like they gotta tip he goes that girl fucking, that girl did a good job. She was great. She goes, she was all right. She wasn't spectacular. <laughs> she filled my cup up three times. If I'm sitting here, it needs to be filled up at least six times. <laughs> he goes, what? And then uh, Mr. Blue, who literally has three lines in this whole fucking movie. <laughs> what do you want her to do? Take you in the back, suck your dick. <laughs> 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 and, uh, He's like, all right, because you paid, I'll give a dollar. Because the guy comes back, we didn't throw in a fucking buck. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, this is probably the movie that did it for me, but for a while, I didn't tip either. Because I was under the impression that they made minimum wage. Nah. I didn't realize they made under minimum wage. Yeah, they made so, like three bucks an hour, dude. It's right. crazy. So I'm like, and a lot of people I didn't feel deserved tips. So I wouldn't tip them. And then I went on this like non-tipping rampage. But, you know, because I mean, he does make valid points. He's like, you don't tip the motherfuckers at McDonald's, do you? Right. You know, you don't. But I mean, that's not a job. The one that blew me away was I went and got a haircut one time and I was with the girl that I was dating at the time. And so I pay for the haircut. She grabs my cash and like hands the lady more money. And I we walk out and I was like, what did you do? She's like, you're supposed to tip them. And I was like. I've never heard of that before ever in my life. Every now and then. If somebody goes out of their way and does a really good job, right. then I'll tip them. But I haven't got a, a an actual haircut in like 10 years. Yeah, I was so. going to say, you're nah, bald as the days you it's were not going. That. It's an eight. I say eight. Mm-hmm. So I didn't start going bald until about 25. You don't tip your sister? I mean, I'd take her kid to do shit. Like, <laughs> it's a fair trade. Yeah. I'll let him come terrorize my house for a while and right. send him back. But it is a great scene because he's like, uh, you know, but just because you paid for breakfast. You know, because one time. This one time I'll tip. <laughs> he's like, like, I love how they just all look at him like he's a piece of shit. Because like, right. <laughs> he won't tip a fucking dollar. It is really smart to put this at the beginning of the movie. It being Quentin Tarantino's first movie, it shows how good he is at handling dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they're talking about monotonous shit, you're still, like, interested. Dude, I think that the, the him and Kevin Smith are the two best ever about having great dialogue mm-hmm. about useless, stupid fucking things. Like, Because right. literally, that's what Kevin Smith's fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tarantino's usually 
is more like like later on, obviously, like they're more dreamt in drama. But uh, you know, I think about dialogue like in um Inglorious Bastards when uh Christoph Waltz and the and the girl mm-hmm. are in like he's having to like explain to her like uh, what they needed for this Nazi premiere. Right. And she's a Jewish girl and she's literally the girl that was underneath that floor mm-hmm. and all of her family got shot the fuck up. And it's just so crazy cause she knows who he is and like the fear on her face. And she's trying to like, you know, it's, they're talking about cream and a fucking dessert, but it's just so well it, tense. You know what I mean? That's where that's one of the best scenes Quentin Tarantino has ever made. In my opinion was when the general is talking to the guy and they like, they're talking about stuff and it like pans under the floor. Like that scene is so much tension. It's about dairy farming and shit. Yeah. And that is one of the best shots he's ever, he one says, of the best scenes he's ever shot. I heard you can speak English. He goes, I'm assuming for all parties considered, nobody else does. And then he starts speaking in English and it's even more fucking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like just, I don't know. Eerie. Nah, well, nah, I was going to say like uh, menacing. Yeah, yeah, Menacing, yeah. you know. Um, he is great actor, by the way, Christoph Waltz. Like, yeah. He's probably one of the later guys that got added into the Tarantino family mm-hmm. of movies that I, I will see anything that he does with Tarantino. Um, he's added a couple over the years. He got, he's got DiCaprio lately. Yeah. You know, got, uh, got Brad Pitt. You know, there's almost like no veteran like actor out there that's been in a badass movie that hasn't been in a Tarantino movie. I mean, I'm sure there's a few out there because he's only done nine movies, so. I know, but like. He's gotten the majority of them, though. I would say if he had a list of motherfuckers he wanted. Yeah. It's it's done. That's like, true. He like probably got most there. of the people. Right. I love him with Michael Madsen. Like. Yeah. Him and Quentin Tarantino. I was about to say, Michael Madsen's probably had, it, well, his only great roles from Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a movie that he's in. Oh, no, no. I will say I love him in Donnie Brasco. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably my second favorite role is Sonny Black. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Tarantino don't have nothing to do with that one. Right. But I do love the way he tells the story because it's almost the story happening backwards. Mm-hmm. But also in between these scenes is him sprinkling in the backstory, people, the backstory for yeah. each person. Character it's development. really smart. It's so smart. I love the scene with... You know, with the dad and and uh, with Joe and, and Chris Pine and, and him when he gets out of prison. Right. And yeah. they're breaking it down. Like, you're going to go see this prick. Da, 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 da. He's going to get you a job. And he's like, so I'm going to be working on a fucking fish boat or some shit? He's like, no, you're misunderstanding us. You're just going to go clock in and you can do whatever the fuck you want. And you're going to come do stuff with us. <laughs> and you're going to collect a paycheck. And then your fucking piece of shit uh, parole officer is gonna gonna leave you alone. Yeah. And then you're gonna get somebody for us that's gonna take care of you. So they they're pretty much setting him up like, hey, you know, you did this for us, we're gonna do this for you. Yeah. And we're we gonna got, take care of you. We got a super cool heist coming up. You're perfect for that motherfucker, and we're gonna put some way big money in your pocket. Right. Make up for all your shit. Um, fun fact. So Lawrence Tyranny Tyranny mm-hmm. was a nightmare to work with on set, apparently. He was like forgetting his lines. He wasn't delivering them properly. They spent most of their time trying to shoot his scenes. Quentin Tarantino. He looks like he's fucking 90 when he shoots this movie. Yeah, right. And he looks like he's a, he's like one of the only one of these that actually looks like a real fucking gangster. <laughs> he like, does, I, I just look at him and his face looks like a fist. Well, it's like he said the thing. Yeah. He looks like the thing. 
But uh, Quentin Tarantino like screamed at him. He's like, if you don't get your shit together, I'm going to fucking fire you. And the whole cast like cheered. Wow. <laughs> like that's how bad it was apparently. But he does a good job. Like, I mean, from what he does to edit together. He great. Scenes. He's great. Like the little bit. Like, I love that little bit he has with Mr. Pashibi. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's like, he's like, you're Mr. Pink. And he's like, I don't want to be Mr. Pink. I want to trade. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. There's no fucking trading. <laughs> How about Mr. Purple? He's like, Mr. Purple's doing another job. You're Mr. Pink. <laughs> no trading and no fucking changing. Right. And he's like, but Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, oh no. He says, he goes, uh, why be- am I Mr. Pink? Because you're a fucking faggot. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, at least you're not Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown sounds like Mr. Shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they. Uh, he goes, so what's it going to be, Mr. Pink? He keeps calling him Mr. Pink. And he's like, all right, fuck it, Joe. Fine. Mr. Pink. Like. So yeah, Mr. White and Mr. Orange go back to the warehouse and Mr. Pink is there and also great dialogue yeah. between Mr. Pink and Mr. White. Because, you know, uh, he's like, how the fuck did all this happen? Because, you know, Harvey Keitel thinks that um, that my, Mr. Blonde just went off and started killing people yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. then the cops came, but the cops obviously were already there because they knew they were robbing the store. Mm-hmm. It was a jewelry store. Right. So when they come out of the jewelry store, the cops were supposed to just get them, you know, either shoot them or arrest them. But nobody took into account that he was going to start blowing their fucking heads off. And uh, Mr. Pink put that together. But Mr. White and all the confusion and over just the brutality of Mr. Bond. Right. He just thought that I was that fucking maniac. You know, he's like, no, there was a fucking moment before he did that. He goes, before the alarm, before all that, he goes, they were there, but they weren't like letting us know they were fucking there until it was too late. And it was just like, so he's like, you think we got a fucking rat in the house? He's like, I know we got a fucking rat in the house. (laughs) And, uh, he keeps calling him Mr. White and he's like, man, knock this Mr. White shit off. And he's like, don't tell me your fucking name. (laughs) You know, I'm a goddamn professional. Then they start beating the shit out of each other and they pull the guns. And then that's like one of the the posters, you know, it's a great shot, you know, because, uh, he goes, what about, what about him? And he goes, don't you talk about him? He goes, I just watched that kid take a fucking bullet to the gut. He took a bullet from because of me. He goes, well, that's fucking great. He goes, but that doesn't mean he's not a fucking cop. You know, (laughs) that's what they end up getting into the fucking shit pissing match about. Yeah. And then Mr. Uh, Oh, shit. Mr. Blonde comes in with his... Oh, by the way, the cup he's drinking out of, he bought that himself. He just walked on set with it. That's awesome. <laughs> dude, Michael Matz is just a cool motherfucker, dude. Right. Like, the boots, everything, man. Mm. He just looks like a badass, you know? <laughs> are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Ooh! <laughs> yeah, big Harvey Keitel going back and forth God, in this I fucking grew, movie. I grew up with a bunch of, like... A testosterone driven men and they all had their own little sayings like that yeah. like if you're feeling froggy jump yeah leap ain't, motherfucker ain't, there ain't there ain't shit between us between opportunity and air <laughs> then I went there <laughs> I could tell it. oh but anyway my favorite one I think one of my favorite ones is De Niro from uh, from um, Analyze That the second one and the dude's complaining because, like, he's a maitre d' for that little spot. Yeah. He's like, we've been waiting for a table for 45 minutes. Look, I got a left hand. I got a right hand. I can fucking smack you with either one. 
fucking Joe Torre from the Yankees comes in. He's like, let me get you a table. <laughs> it's fucking gold. <laughs> hey, Joe, I just want to let you know, uh, friends of mine, uh, we're really excited about what y'all are going to do this season. We think you're going to win it all. Well, we're certainly going to try our best out there. He's like, well, that take it as a personal favor to me if you want it all. <laughs> I'll talk to the guys. <laughs> it's fucking gold, man. Nobody does intimidation like in that shit better than the the De Niro. He's right, 100%. fucking gold, fucking gold. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, he comes in. He's like, I got y'all a present. He goes, because oh, they're arguing. He's like, we think there might be a rat in the house. They're like, how'd you get out? He's like, he's like, I shut my way out. And then he's like, I got something in my trunk. And then they pulled this fucking cop out. Right. And they just start beating the fucking shit out of him. There is a fun fact about that. And after this break, I will let you know because I have to take a pee break. All right. Because I can't think of anything else except how bad I need to go to the bathroom. And we're back. Sorry about that. Anyways. A little potty break. So, fun fact about that scene is he actually, he wanted it to have some authenticity. So, he actually got into the trunk and he drove him around driving over potholes, went and got some tacos while he was in the trunk. Jesus. That was pretty funny. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, they pull this cop out and they start torturing him, beating on him. And I do like the line. He's like, if you keep torturing him, the only thing he's going to tell you, he said he could light the Chicago fire yeah. just to get you to stop. That's true. That's the bad thing about torture is they can say anything you want them to say just to get it to stop. Yeah. I believe your story now Mm -hmm. because you've been beating it into me for the last two days. (laughs) The torture that they talk about in Casino actually happened to a guy. Yeah. And then the Frankie in the movie, Frank Collada actually did end up becoming government witness later on in life. And he's the one that Scorsese took that story from to use in Casino. Oh, yeah. And he said the only thing that was different from the movie was he wasn't face up. He was face down. So when they popped his fucking eye out, it was like hanging down like a ball. Oh, man. He said it was. But the ice picks, all that. He goes, that was that was true. He was like, that was the toughest fucking Irishman we ever saw in our lives. Damn. He goes, that's why that story got in there. He goes, because I was like, fuck, at least give him that. Yeah, right. They changed the name and all that shit. But like the gist of the story, because all this happened in Chicago. It didn't happen in Vegas. Mm hmm. So, like, when he talks about murdering the fuck out of those people, like, they didn't take them to a... Because in the movie, it looks like they're at, like, a slot machine factory or some shit, like a warehouse where they keep all their old slot machines. He goes, all that shit happened in a basement in Chicago. Mm. He goes, this guy robbed the wrong guy and then fucking ended up killing somebody in the process. And then they killed the entire fucking crew like that. They just beat them all to death, like, fucked them up bad. Wow. Um, But, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Fun fact. Fun yeah. fact on a fun fact. Right. So, um, we get to one of the best scenes because uh, Chris Pine's character shows up and uh, no, 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 this is after. No. Because they all leave for some reason. I think it's well, to get tells, the cars. Yeah, yeah. Because Chris says, Pine gets there and he's like, look, it's like, it's like a fucking parking lot out there. We got to get rid of these cars. He goes, y'all come with me. He well, because he's, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he leaves Blonde there. Right. And Blonde goes, look, man, I don't really give a fuck about the information you can tell me. All that. He goes, that's them. He goes, I'm going to torture you just because I want to. Mm-hmm. Just because I hate cops. Because I fucking hate cops. And 
he fucking turns on a song that to this day when I hear it, I fucking think of Michael Madsen dancing with his fucking razor blade. So hands down one of the most iconic scenes in a movie. So fucking smooth yet so fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you're the one in that fucking chair because obviously that's the way they shot it. But right. the way he's just so fucking like it's just a day at the beach to him, bro. And then saws this motherfucker's ear off like it's nothing, dude. Mm-hmm. Like he's carving a piece of meat. Can you fuck? Hey, can you hear me? It's <laughs> fucking gold, dude. It's gold. Tim Roth comes back to fucking life, dude. That's probably the most unbelievable thing about this movie. Even my dad back then told me, he's like, if there was that much fucking blood on the ground, this guy's dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. like, you don't have that much blood in your fucking body. Right. Especially to lean up and pull the trigger on a fucking 45 18 <laughs> times the way he did. Because he empties the fucking clip. He does. He empties the fucking clip into uh, Michael Madsen. Well, before that, I really, really liked this scene. It was really cool. Is uh, He cuts the ear off, and then he's like, I'll be back. And he goes outside, but it like cuts the music off as if the music... Well, because the music was playing inside because mm-hmm. of the radio. But it's just so... It's just a cool scene. He walks outside. You hear the keys jingling. He's kind of humming to himself a little bit. Right. He's going out to his car. You're not sure what he's getting. And he pulls out a fucking gallon of gasoline. And he comes back in. And then the music starts back up. I don't know. It's just a really cool scene. I'm glad he left it in like that. Because mm-hmm. he could have been like, I'll be right back and have the door close. And right. Come back. But... I don't know. It was just a nice. No, I touch. get it. No, it's it's it is. That's what I think adds to all of, of what makes it such a great scene. Yep. And he dumps this fucking gasoline all over this poor cop, thinking you know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna get lit up too. The wife, watch this. She's seen Reservoir Dogs before, but this time around, while he was pouring the gasoline on her, she's like, "This makes me so uncomfortable." Right. But that's kind of what Quentin Tarantino was going for. Like he he made it uncomfortable on purpose. Like right. he, his he. <laughs> He did. He reached his goal, but uh, yeah. And then Tim Roth, some would say, was the last last thing he could do. <laughs> and I just I love that shit because he's like about to try to hit him again, dude. Because you look and then it pans out and you see Madsen just fucking using the last bit of life in him to try to get up to kill him back. Yeah, and then just fucking flops back. Mm-hmm. So good because. It's a great scene followed up by an either better scene. And, uh, I mean, as far as dialogue's concerned. Right. Uh, the cop knew who Tim Roth was, which is just fucking great. And he's like, you're, you're, uh, and he's like trying to remember his name and mm-hmm. shit. He's like, I, I met you when you, when you came in. Look what that fucking animal did to me. And he's like, and he's like, look. There's cops outside. He's like, they're not going to come in until Joe gets here. Yeah. He goes, and he starts like, what the fuck are they waiting for? And it's one of the best fucking lines. Fuck you. I'm fucking dying. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. Yeah. Like you, you got your ear cut off, bro. And I'm sure that gasoline burns like a motherfucker on that fresh wound. Yeah. I got shot in the fucking stomach and I've been laying over here playing dead for three fucking hours. Yeah. I'm bleeding out. The worst fucking pain imaginable. My dad said that that was the, 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 when they want you to fucking feel that shit, that's what they do. They either shoot you up the ass or they shoot you in the fucking stomach. Yeah, because he says it in the movie. He says, besides the kneecaps, getting shot in the stomach is one of the worst pains in the world, apparently. He goes, because the bullet just slowly works through your fucking intestines until it fucking kills you. Yeah. And it's like, 
I don't know if a lot of people know that shit. You know what I mean? And he only got hit with a little fucking little twenty two little purse gun, dude. Mm-hmm. You imagine if he'd have got hit like with something head, you know, bigger like that. But it's still a, it's just like a great delivery. Yeah, because like he's using like it looks, it really does look like it's maybe could be the last thing I said. And he still took the time to fuck you. I'm fucking <laughs> took time his energy. Yeah. So Mr. White and Chris Pine and or not sorry, not Chris Pine, Chris Penn. And uh, I don't know why I can't think of his fucking character's name right now to save my life. Mm-hmm. Where's he at? Oh, yeah. Kirk. Shout out, shout out to Kirk Baltz, who played Marvin Nash, the cop, bro. Oh, right, right, right. You know, you wonder if this dude, like, still gets hit up about that, like, when he's <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Like, if I was him, I would literally I would literally go to cons as Marvin Nash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm Bloodied saying? Bloodied up and everything. Bloodied up in the cop uniform. Off. Oh, yeah, for sure, dude. Get you a makeup guy. Go all the way with it. Yeah. But anyways, they all show up uh, and then they start arguing and he's like, what the fuck happened? And he goes over to like, you know, Orange and he's like, what What the fuck? You know, and he's like, he was going to fucking, he was going to fucking kill us and take, you know, leave. He's going to kill everybody and leave with the money. And then that's when Chris Penn has this great fucking line. You know, he's like, see your man this told me that and he goes into about how the dude could have gave yeah, up yeah, a yeah. fucking a name and walked. Right. He just up and fucking decides to fuck us. Talk about great delivery. Yeah. That was a great delivery because he's spitting and everything. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fucking gold. And then the old man gets there. And the old man. Oh, no, no, no. That's what it is. Chris Penn's like Chris Penn's like. He's like, he was going to kill the cop, kill me, and then kill y'all. And then he goes, what, this cop? And fucking airs out and poor Marvin, dude. Right. Just fucking drills him in the chair. And then after that, so, uh, you know, he, pretty much the jig is up at this point. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah, like because he's like, we got a fucking rat. <laughs> and then the old man shows up, and then they're having the hard part of the conversation yeah. because the old man already knows that it's fucking orange. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, this is the only person I wasn't 100% about. He goes, this is the only motherfucker I ain't known since y'all were kids. Right. Because that's what Pink says throughout the movie. He's like, I've known Joe since I was a fucking kid. He goes, but he ain't a rat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they know it ain't Joe that did mm-hmm. it. And then that's when White goes, he goes, swear to God, I'm fucking cursed. He goes, a couple years back, before I went in. We had a crew. We had a crew job just like this. I had a fucking rat in there, <laughs> and uh, it's really Harvey Keitel is the reason why they were fucked to begin with because he got information because he got close to him and White liked him. Yeah, for the job, so he told him what his name was and where he was from. And- um, that's one thing that we didn't talk about yet is the story. Like he added this story in for him to tell them. Oh, yeah, yeah, so to make him believe that he was, like, an actual, like... That's a nice little touch he put in there as a story inside of a story. I always think about that now, like, if that was, like, actually how they used to fucking get people in undercover work, just make up these fucking bullshit, like, drug heist story, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would imagine... I'm sure they base it off of things that really happened and just, like, replaced the person, like, that was me in that. The thing that's the funniest about that scene is they act like just because those cops were like not on duty, I'm guessing, or on lunch or whatever, like the German Shepherd is clearly fucking going ham that's for the, a reason. That's the only like unbelievable part is right. that these cops like th- that's a trained dog. If he's freaking out, it's going to set off red flags. Yeah, he's not just barking at your fucking jacket, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And right. like that's the unbelievable. Like even if I was a criminal. Like, I'd be like, I don't know, bro. That sounds sketch. Yeah. I don't know if I want you in on this. You know, thanks for coming by. Someone said that they, the cops were so entrenched with their own story that they just ignored the dog. But, you know, I don't know. 
I don't think cops are that. Well, I mean, Tim Roth does a great job of selling it like he's just taking a piss. Right. You know, not that I have a kilo of coke stuffed in my fucking ass or whatever. Yeah, if he takes off running, that's more suspicious than just standing there. And I guess if, you know, whatever, for some reason, maybe it was your cologne or whatever. Because, I mean, obviously the cop didn't think it was like a, I'm fucking serious. I found something, guys. And that's another thing. Cops that are with their dogs like that, Mm -hmm. I feel like they know when the dog's just being a dog. And when they're like, yo, motherfucker, it's go time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I kind of wish we had a cop that was a canine so we could ask them about that. <laughs> yeah, anybody that wants to reach out, man, if you are, are in the dog training position or, you know, whatever, if yeah. you're a cop or knew a cop with a dog. Let you us know. know if dogs are like that. Yeah, like, man. I don't know. I'm like, curious. I don't think they cry wolf, man. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's like a thing. Like, like you know, like that's what they're trained to do. Right. They think they're going to get a fucking treat or something. You know what I mean? Like if they find drugs or guns or whatever, mm-hmm. that's how I would look at it, yeah. you know? But- it was a great scene. Though. It is a great scene, though, because it just it, it's showing how cool under pressure Tim Roth is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that he was able to deliver the story believable enough to to these gangsters and they believed him. Right. Which is honestly what all undercover work is about. You're mm-hmm. trying to make these criminals believe that you're a fucking criminal. Too. You've been giving me a lot of undercover. I know, dude. It's weird. Like, I noticed uh, that. <laughs> but you've you noticed like if, if most. Uh, no, I just I don't know, man. Well, Goodfellas is one of those things that, like, he wasn't a rat at the beginning. Yeah, he you know, turned into If a anything, rat. I think the movies I've shown you show that if you're going to be in the gangster lifestyle, like, you have to understand that it's going to only end one of three ways. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to jail, or you're going to die, or you're going to fuck a rat. Oh, I was thinking about Donnie Brasco, and then you have, uh, well, Black Mass, he was kind of a rat. Oh, he was definitely a fucking rat. Yeah. He was the worst kind of rat. Yeah. But, I mean, he turned into a rat, but he was still a rat almost the whole time, so... Not that's the thing about that movie that pissed me off so much, dude. He had 30 years of being a hardened gangster motherfucker, dude. And they only focused. I mean, I get that. That's where the drama of his life comes in is when he starts working with the FBI. Mm -hmm. It's a vital part of the story and they should have told it. But like I said, that's why it should have been a two parter. Yeah. You know, or or just go fuck it. You know, if you're going to make it two and a half, might as well go for three and a half and, and tell the whole story the way you want to. Right. Because like you said, the first hour of that movie is set up so beautifully mm-hmm. and then the kid dies and then it just kind of like, fuck it. Like yeah, we're just going to stuff 10 years into two, into an hour. Right. And uh, I think the movie suffered because of it. Agreed. But this movie, that's what's so beautiful about it. And it's such a. It's one of the most simplest gangster stories that can be told. Yeah, I think so. Like they set up a world and everything and they had a, a, a He's man. able to introduce these characters one yeah. at a time. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it, man. And like you don't have to have a hundred million to make a good gangster movie. You mm. just have to have good dialogue. You just you have, have to have a good story, good dialogue. Exactly. Like, you don't even have to have that much action. Like he had like. Yeah, it's, it's not even really action if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, shooting or, or yeah, violence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I will take quality violence in a movie over quantity of violence in a movie. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense because some people like movies like John wick just because of the killing, like just because he's a fucking one man army taken out. People love that shit. And that's fine. I, I, I call it uh, action junkie. Like I, I'm that way too. There are certain movies that I just like to watch for the cool shit in it. But there's also movies like Goodfellas, like, Casino like uh, New Jack City has a good job of it. Like they set up the violence in like in a way that it 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 helps the story. It makes the story better, right? And 
even Black Mass, like like you said, there's not a lot of killing in it, but like the kills that they do look great. It's just the it's just the other parts of the story that don't keep up with it. Right. But the one action scene that's in this that's iconic is they all have the Mexican standoff. Yeah. And I love the Mr. Pink when he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, uh, how'd you get out of there? He's like, I shot my way out. It's just him running (laughs) (laughs) and busting out like eight shots at a bunch of cops. He hits one in like the hip or the Mm -hmm. arm or something Then pulls. I love, I love, I wonder if Steve Buscemi like actually like talked to that lady about it because he's like, get out of the fucking car. And then he like fucking pulls her out of the fucking window. Like, I I wonder if he was just like, look, I'm just going to fucking fumble with the door until you get it open. Or I'm just going to yell at you until I get the door open. And then he just like in the spur of the moment was just like, nope, I'm going to yank her the fuck out. (laughs) And like she like, cause it looks like she's fighting him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if she didn't know, that's a good question. If anybody ever gets to interview that great, that great actor, I would love to know that personally. Like, was that just off the cuff or did y'all work through that shit? Cause he does such a good job of being frantic as fuck. Like he's really trying to get away Mm -hmm. and she's really like terrified. Like, holy fuck, somebody's trying to kill me. Because, like, he, I just love that. Like, he's fucking using her as a human shield and keeps fucking shooting at the cops. Like, it's it's crazy. Because he's the one who had the jewels. Right, right, right. You know, they thought they all got out of there with nothing, but he had the jewels. Yeah. So Joe comes. He says orange is it. He goes, White's like, I don't believe it. He points the fucking gun. Yeah, he, he goes, feels this, like, kinship now because of everything they've been through. And he's like, he's like, Joe, I respect you. He goes, but if you shoot that man, I'm going to fucking shoot you. And he's like, and then, you know, Chris Penn with a grin of the great, like, don't stop pointing that fucking gun at my dad. <laughs> and then the, like, like you said, it's bomb, bomb, bomb. One, two, three, dude. And white gets hit and he's dying. And he's like, I just want to be with my fucking friend when I die. It, I had to stop it and rewind it because the way the bullets or the guns are pointing, I was curious who, who shot Penn. But actually, Mr. White does Joe and then switches it to mm-hmm. him before he goes down. So mm-hmm. it's a really quick scene. Well, that's why I said that's why Mr. White was the most gangster of them all. But he unfortunately was the most trusting of them. You yeah, because he um, uh, Mr. White's not dead yet. So he crawls over to him. And, and then, this is my whole thing. Like, you know, this man just sacrificed his fucking life for you. You couldn't let that man die without him knowing that you were a fucking rat. Like. You couldn't just let him think that he did something so what is cool that? for is a friend. He, is he rubbing it in his face or does he feel so much sympathy? No, because he feels because he feels bad because he knows they're both about to die and the cops are about to come in. So and, he wants to have a bit of honesty. Well, I think he looked at it as like clearing his soul before he died. I, uh, I, that's how I look at it. I like see. he was like, look, I appreciate you saving my life, yeah. Harry, but this is the truth. This is the truth. And yeah. then Mr. White, but you could tell he fucking hated hearing that worse than anything else. Yeah. And he fucking kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he felt like he earned it. Like, I mean, like he deserved to tell him the truth, you know, cause he was honest with him. Right. And I think that that was the one thing that fucked Tim Ross character up the most <laughs> is clearly he was still wanting to be a good cop, but he really did care for, it's kind of like Donnie Brasco. Like he cared for lefty, mm-hmm. even though he knew lefty was a bad person and a killer and all that. Like he, he knew that he was just following orders. Like right. he was just doing what that's he, why he what he needed to, to do. Give him money so he can like get out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think that white saw in, or what orange saw in Mr. White, like was, he just, he, he felt bad because like, I know that you just fucking ended your life for me yeah and you don't even really know who I am. Right. You know, there's so much crammed into this movie and the fact that he only took three weeks to write it and it's so, and it's it's pretty tight. It's the shortest fucking movie he's ever made. 
Yeah, it's only you, an you hour. Fact and check minutes. me on that. Like yeah. it's like it's like the follow like it's like following like not a wasted fucking minute. It yeah, just I agree. Runs smooth because he did have a couple of scenes that he actually cut out of the movie. So I I'd think be interested really nice to see what they were. Um, but One of yeah. them was a lady talking. I don't know what she had to do with the movie, but like fun fact is he cut out the only lady that was speaking in the movie. Mm. I got to say, I love that scene when they're explaining before the cops, you know, when blonde and white get into their dick measuring contest. Mm-hmm. I love that. This fucking psychopath walks up. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. If they hadn't done what I told him not to do, I wouldn't have killed him. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. He's just I don't like it. alarms. Like, he's like, he's like, they didn't listen. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, how old was that girl? 17, 18? At least. <laughs> the only gripe I have to have. I don't work the- with fucking psychopaths. Right. Can't control him. The only gripe I have with the movie is he has like outdated references, like talking about the lady looking like the girl from the show uh, yeah, that yeah. I've never seen, and I don't really. Well, know it's all. It, I mean, I think the movie is supposed to set place in in the early eighties. Yeah. Um. This movie came out what ninety two, ninety three, ninety two. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. Maybe mid eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, I think is when it's supposed to. But those are references to a seventies show. That's why we don't know. But I yeah. mean, I get the gist of the joke. Yeah, you don't really need to know what he's talking about. You can kind of like paint the picture in your head. It's another great bit uh, of dialogue about stupid like locker room shit. Like yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. like she glued his fucking dick to his stomach. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> <laughs> you got to do a fucking handstand every time you got to take a piss. Like, right. it's hilarious, but it's juvenile, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it fits the dynamic of the movie. Yeah, that's one of the things. That's why he's so great. We talked about it already. But, like, I've seen movies where there's a lot of dialogue, but I'm so bored by it. Mm-hmm. But here's Quentin Tarantino talking about, like, nonsense, but I'm, like, interested. Yeah. Like, in a Pulp Fiction, they're talking about fucking hamburgers, but I'm so interested in what they're fucking saying. I had to bring it up, man. I threw mall rats on last night. Yeah. Uh, for, for Brody. Uh-huh. And then my son, he just turned 11. And I know that there is a shit ton of humor in that movie that is not meant for kids. So I did kind of fast forward a couple things. But for the most part, I, I let him watch what I wanted him to watch. Like the reason why I named him after it and, and right. stuff like that. Why I am the way I am. Yeah. I'm like, when I saw this movie, I wanted to be this guy so much that I said, if I ever have a fucking son, I'm going to name him after this guy. Because that's how cool I thought mm. Jason Lee was in Mallrats. Like, and I started collecting comic books. After I saw that movie, I started going to flea markets and, you know, the mall. Like, I would go try to be like one of the Mallrat kids. Like, I tried to get my friends to hang out at the mall with me. I mean, it didn't really work. You know, I, mostly girls. Girls always want to go to the fucking mall. But, yeah. like, none of my guy friends would give a fuck. He's like, bro, I don't have any money. Yeah. Going. I'm like, I don't have any money either. Though, like, why the fuck are we going, bro? Like, mine was the movie theater. Some we would hang out in the movie theater so much. Yeah, Fridays and Saturdays were movie. Even if we didn't go to see a movie, we still just hang out. Yeah, a couple hours. Go get thrown out of Walmart. Yeah, you know, shit like that. (laughs) Back when you could test the video games for hours on end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Play the first fucking level of Spyro 37 times before (laughs) Walmart people tell you to get off of it. Right. Uh. Yeah, man, those were the best. Though. Like that was like probably the last time you could really go out and be a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like now it's just fucking crazy. I wouldn't let my kids do shit without me. Um, but yeah, like that. Uh, I don't know what we going on. That. You were talking about mall rats. So you oh yeah, yeah. I, I showed him that, but 
it's great because like you were just talking about like all these movies with dialogue, but you're bored. And I was thinking about Brody's character. Like he goes off on these crazy fucking diatribes like two or three times in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed it the other day. And like the last one is the best when they're on the game show. And he's talking about how his cousin was on a plane okay. and the Hydra. And he just brings this story up out of fucking left field. Like, <laughs> yeah, my cousin was on a plane. Walt was on a plane once. The fucking hydraulics went out. So the plane's plummeting to his death. He says, fuck it. It's over. Whips his dick out and starts beating like mad. So everybody else on the plane sees him and takes the cue and they all start whipping their things out and they're all beating like mad. He goes right before the plane crashes, the hydraulics kick back in plane lands safely. Everybody puts his or her pieces or whatever away. No one gets off the plane and talks about it. Talks about the phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) And it pans out on the crowd and they're all just like glued in because I was thinking like it's the most random, interesting fucking story you've ever heard in your life. See, that's where Evan Smith shines is these like weird rants. Right. And then, like I said, and and I would look, I'll say like this, like when it comes to comedy, I think Kevin's better at it. But when it comes to just putting interesting shit in a movie that Mm -hmm. shouldn't be there, Tarantino's got to be the king, man. Yeah. Like. All his dialogue, it seems like it has no fucking purpose at the time. But then when you get the broad spect of it, you're like, fuck, that was deep, dude. Yeah. Like, that was good, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, the standoff in Inglorious Bastards when they're down there. Uh, and he's like, how did you know I wasn't German? And he's like, because Germans ask like this, <laughs> not like this. Mm. And you know what I mean? Like, that whole back and forth between them and German. Like, uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Magneto? Yeah. Eric... Uh, Fassbender, uh, Michael Fassbender, phenomenal fucking actor, bro. He slays that fucking movie, dude. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best parts of that movie. Agreed. That's what made me so excited to see him in first class as Magneto. I said, oh, that dude's playing Magneto. That's going to be the best fucking Magneto we've ever had. <laughs> and he's right. I'm right. Like, yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the old guy too, man. But uh, yeah, th- that dude's the fucking man, dude. Um. Yeah, I, I've learned that, and like watching Mall Rats, and then watching this. The last, yeah, because I watched both yesterday. Oh, really? I had a lot of Brody watch Reservoir Dogs, but like, why not? Nah, I just I don't know, man. I was like, oh, this is a lot. Of, that's a lot of rated R for one day. Like, I'll let, you, <laughs> let you go back. Go I don't know, man. Later. I feel like when I was twelve, I watched a lot of. I don't know. I feel like kids are well developed, but I mean, you're his dad, so I can't like tell it's you just, how to raise uh, them. It's not really that I'm worried about him seeing it because he knows it's make believe and yeah. shit, but like I just worry about him saying it in front of other kids. You know what I mean? Like when he, you know, other kids shouldn't be so sheltered. Nah, I mean, yeah, I get it though. But like that's like you just said, like you can't tell people how to raise their children. Yeah, I know. And if they feel like that's, you know what I mean. So right. it's just a touchy thing. But it is a very touchy thing. We I, are in a different era. We and you grew up in a very fucked up era, and we were used to seeing this stuff. So I'm saying, but this is just a day at his, the park. But yeah, his mean. area is very like watered down, and to give him something like this, it's almost like a shock to his system. Right. So there was that. a lot of the jokes that he just kind of was like, <gasps> like yeah. he didn't know if he was allowed to laugh at it. And I was just like, it's okay, buddy. Like yeah. I get it. It's funny. It makes sense. Yeah. And like, you know, when the topless fortune teller, like he was just like smiling ear to ear, like he had never seen tits before. Uh, he probably hasn't. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, yeah. obviously in a movie or whatever. And yeah. then the third nipple, he was like, that's weird. Like, you know, it was, you know, and I was just like, all right, we're not there. Yet. Rated but, R bonding moment. So we're not, kid. we're not all the way there yet, but you know, <laughs> I think the next one I let him watch will be like a, like a gangster movie or something. You yeah. Know? Something that doesn't have a lot of plot, just a lot of cool shit to look at. John Wick. Well, yeah, that and I saw I let him watch Predator a couple of years ago. Hell yeah. Which it's not rated R, but there's still 
it's a very like scary movie if you're not yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of man moments in yeah. that movie a lot of testosterone ain't got time to bleed <laughs> but um yeah i just thought about that i was watching the one you gave me for my birthday so thank oh, you again man hey you're welcome but uh yeah I, I like i said i can't recommend this movie enough especially if you're i mean obviously if you're a tarantino fan you've already seen it but if you're looking if you're new to his movies maybe you haven't seen this one this is definitely one to start with like yeah. i feel like it's a foundational block to his filmmaking yeah 100 percent. this oh. is most definitely his foundation but uh you like you got some you got some movies i do so i am leaning into this what i'm doing and i'm really excited about it it's Lesser known movies. Lesser known movies by popular. Or first time movies. <laughs> you got to put that under there a little. Yeah, a little yeah, yeah. Fine print. Also, maybe first movie. One of your uh, one of your next picks is in here. So sweet. Um. So yeah, I've been buying movies kind of like crazy. So I figured I'd talk about some of them. Um. I finally got Duel. Steven Spielberg. Yes, it is his first movie, but it is most definitely an under talked about movie. They put it on Blu-ray. Yes, they did. Because it, and what's funny is when it came out, it was just a TV movie. So it's that good that they released it, did a Blu-ray release of it. So I'm, I've never heard of this. I'm so I love Spielberg. I'm so excited to talk about this because I love Duel. This is this is our next one. No, this is not oh, our next one. Okay. Because the next one ties into this one you gave me, and I was like, "Fuck, I might as well go ahead and do that one next." Okay. Um, this finally dropped down to fifteen dollars. It's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy on 4K. Oh, I love Gary Oldman. Yeah, so we're gonna do this one eventually because I want to watch it. So, I heard his, I heard he's great in it. I've never seen it, but I heard yeah, he's fantastic in it. I've heard good things, so I'm excited to check that one out. Um, your boy, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Mm. You know how much you love Labyrinth. His first movie. Don't 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 disrespect the great David Bowie's movie <laughs> called The Labyrinth with that bullshit. Pan's it's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's yeah, Labyrinth. get that right. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I fuck with Guillermo, but like he missed on that one. Uh, well, this is his first movie. I've never seen this. Oh, God. A friend of mine told me to check it out. So we're going to add this into lesser known movies because I didn't even know about this. What movie. fucking ancient Aztec temple did you dig that motherfucker out of? Because right. I know that bitch ain't out there on Walmart. It's, uh, Kronos. So we're going to check that out eventually. Okay. <laughs> um, Have you seen this one? The Abyss. I used to, my dad loves this fucking movie. Dude. Does he? I haven't seen it. In probably 10 years i know i own it somewhere i actually have never seen this it's a it's a good it's a good movie but it's one of those movies that like you just you kind of sitting there like what the fuck oh really yeah so it's uh oh fuck what's his name titanic cameron cameron yeah this is his first movie that was his first i think so Nah, i couldn't have been well Term- i thought terminator was his first i think I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. But I, I was under the impression this was his first. I know that this movie I don't think did well, but like it's like people it's, love it. Well, like, it's one of his lesser knowns. Like unless you're a hardcore like movie yeah. fan or his fan, like nobody really talks about this one, which this is shout out to Mick. He actually because I was asking him for suggestions. He's mm. like, dude, you should talk about the abyss. Yeah, It's cool. James Cameron's yeah, movie. It's a different way of doing a movie that nowadays has been beat to death. Oh, I'll really? Say that. I've never seen it, so I'm excited to talk to to watch it. So it's a lot of different elements to it, like it, it fantasy and sci-fi and action all into one. It's pretty cool. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't have like a better release, re-release. Like this is the only release of it is a DVD. 
There's no Blu-ray. There's no 4K. There's no talks about re-releasing it. So I think the one I have is the fucking pop cover. Oh, really? So the Abyss. I'm excited to get into that one. Um. So I was listening to our podcast and I was talking about how I uh, got the 12 Monkeys Arrow release. And you said you don't have this movie. I don't think I do. So you can have this copy. I found it in my collection. It's the old special edition 12 Monkeys. So, yeah, I know you don't like the movie, but there you go. Appreciate it. (laughs) Hey, you know me, bro. I'll watch anything with Bruce Willis in it, dude. Yeah, we'll probably do that one on the podcast soon, eventually. I Like I said, I remember seeing bits and parts of it when I was younger with my dad, Mm. but I don't remember enough about it to do a review, but I would be, I'd be willing to go back and watch it again. Yep. Maybe I fuck it. I might like it this time. Yeah, right. You might get a different uh, take on it. Right. So I just remember Brad Pitt being crazy as a motherfucker. And he it, is like, crazy. It's one of it, my favorite performances from him. And Bruce Willis just looking lost and like he hasn't slept for months. Like that's I just, mean, that's the movie. Yeah, that's, that's what I movie. just remember. Like, yeah. Oh, um, so talking about lesser known movies by popular directors, I was going to do um, uh, True Romance for Quentin Tarantino. I know he didn't direct mm-hmm. it, but he wrote it. And then it just dawned on me that. Why don't we talk about one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies, Jackie Brown? I do because like nobody really talks about Jackie Brown. They talk about Pulp Fiction. They talk they talk about all his other movies. Jackie Brown, I feel, doesn't get a whole lot of love. It doesn't. So it I really figured. And I don't know why, because it used to be my least favorite yeah. Tarantino movie. Um, Now it's Hateful Eight, but that... But even Hateful Eight gets talked about more than Jackie Brown, in my opinion. I don't know why either. So, I figured, let's do Jackie Brown. Let's talk about, since we're on this Quentin Tarantino kick. You know, we talk about him all the time. Now we're doing his movies. But, you know, let's talk about Jackie Brown. It's his lesser talked about movies. Hell yeah, my boy De Niro. Mm Mm-hmm. He's good in this. Sam Jackson. Dude, this one, you want to talk about all-star cast, man. Yeah. I was like, you know, and I don't think Tarantino gets enough love on that. That man was putting all-star cast together before anybody was doing he that really shit. Was. I mean, yeah, they weren't all all-stars at the time, but he saw it in them. He saw that potential. Because, mm-hmm. like, Ving Rhames and, and people like, shit, he brought John Travolta's career back from the fucking dead. He did. Um, Sam Jackson's still in the game to this day because of how great he is in, in yeah, because Tarantino he, movies. He actually was supposed to be on Reservoir Dogs, but he said he already had the part that he was going out filled, but he wanted him to be on his next project. So he contacted Sam Jackson again to be on. I think that's the Pulp only Fiction. that's the only one he's not in. Yeah, I th- probably. Because he's even the fucking narrator in Kill Bill. Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> um. The last one he just did, I don't think he's in there, is he? You're right, he might not be in that one. Yeah. But I think he might have done a voice or something. Like, that's how they sneak him in a couple times or something, but... Because that's how he did in, uh... That's how he did it in Kill Bill. He, yeah. like, narrated, like, three lines or some shit. Yeah. Right? But, uh, <laughs> that's funny. But anyway. But yeah, like, out of all the actors he's worked with, Sam Jackson's probably got to be, like... Most consistent. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, why not, dude? They fucking make magic every time they're together. I will say this at a late while it is my least favorite of his movies, because I think it took what made Django great and just beat it over the fucking head to the point where well, it was I felt just like, like hateful eight is more like a rehashing of reservoir dogs, like an old West. Setting. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just don't think he should have went two Westerns in a row. You yeah, know, you're probably right. 
you, you got to space that shit out a little bit because mm-hmm. westerns don't hit like they used to. Yeah, because I feel all. like Hateful Eight is his least movie. Mm. Not a bad movie. That's not like I said. He's never, in my opinion, like, he's never made a bad movie. But if you're putting it up against all his other, but if movies, I had to rank them, weakest yeah, movie. it's like number nine for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And then yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah, Jackie Brown, man, I'm down. I haven't watched it in a while. I yeah. love. I just. I love Chris Tucker's part. Do you have it? Yeah. Yeah. I got <laughs> okay. It. I own all of Tarantino's. Okay. Just making sure. Well, next time it's going to be Jackie Brown. All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Until then. Later, y'all. Later.